press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Tuesday, November 29. The National Australia Party confirmed yesterday it will oppose a voice to Parliament. Nationals leader David Littleproud and Northern Territory Senator Jacinta Price said they consulted widely with Indigenous groups, including the architects of the Uluru Statement from the Heart, and added that the party's direction is unanimously supported by all members. I can tell you now, there's no way that we want to support a failed model that went before us already and to see this such model be forced into our constitution. It has to be understood also that despite what's been told to the Australian people, there are Indigenous Australians who do not agree with this, who do not know what this means. Senator Price will spearhead the Nationals' opposition campaign in a referendum, with the issue expected to be discussed in a joint coalition party room today. Anthony Albanese's honeymoon period isn't over yet. The PM is inching closer to revealing the government's policy on interventions in the gas and electricity markets in the coming days in a bid to keep a lid on skyrocketing energy prices. A boost to domestic gas reserves and new renewables projects are also expected to be part of the package. And an unlikely alliance is working to help the energy reforms become a reality. We'll have more on that later in the episode. A chopper crash, a tragic death, crocodile eggs, and now an arrest warrant for a reality TV star. The story about the death of crocodile wrangler Chris Willow-Wilson in the Northern Territory has taken another shocking turn. That's first up. An arrest warrant has been issued for Matt Wright, the star of reality series Outback Wrangler. Wright's co-star and best friend Chris Wilson was killed on an egg-collecting mission in a remote part of Arnhem Land in February. It relates to a helicopter crash in February that killed Mr Wright's co-star Chris Wilson in the Northern Territory. The pair both starred in Outback Wrangler and Wild Croc Territory. Police are expected to charge the 43-year-old. Kristen Shorten is an investigative journalist with The Australian and she joins me now. Kristen, what's Matt Wright expected to be charged with? Well, Matt Wright is currently residing in Queensland and on Monday morning, the Northern Territory Police revealed that they had in fact issued an arrest warrant for the 43-year-old. They gave him 48 hours to hand himself in at the Darwin Police Station. So that's by 9am on Wednesday. They have said that when he presents, he will be charged with six serious offences. They are perverting the course of justice, destruction of evidence, fabricating evidence, interfering with witnesses and two counts of unlawful entry. This makes Mr Wright the third man to be charged over this fatal chopper crash and the major crash investigation into the incident and the Australian understands that others are expected to be charged in coming weeks. It feels like we need to unravel all the different threads of this story every time we talk to you. The basic facts are that Chris Wilson was collecting crocodile eggs in West Arnhem Land when the helicopter Wilson was suspended from crashed and he was killed. It's what happened after that's led to this arrest warrant being issued by the Northern Territory Police. Tell me about that. That's right, Kristen. It was the end of the wet season in the Northern Territory, which is the crocodile egg collecting season. The chopper that crashed, killing Chris Wilson, was owned and operated by Matt Wright's company, Hellybrook. 
We know that Matt Wright flew to the crash site immediately after the crash, getting there about an hour or so later with two other people, a senior Northern Territory police officer, Neil Mellon, and Darwin publican Mick Burns, who owns and runs the crocodile egg collecting business. It's what happened at the crash site in the hours and days before authorities arrived, which are now under intense police scrutiny and also the subject of multiple investigations. So there's no suggestion any suspicious activity contributed to the actual crash, just what followed. Has Matt Wright given any explanation for his alleged actions in those days and weeks? So Kristen, the cause of the crash is still unknown and that is the focus of the Australian Transport Safety Bureau's investigation. They'll be releasing their final report early next year and hopefully that will reveal what caused that crash and whether it was the result of some safety issue with that particular helicopter. Now, Matt Wright has been quite tight-lipped for the last nine months since this fatal crash on February 28. He hasn't spoken publicly in very much detail at all about what happened other than to say that it was a tragic accident which claimed the life of his friend and castmate Willow. However, he did release a statement yesterday morning morning after news broke of the arrest warrant saying that he strenuously denies any wrongdoing. What happened was a tragic accident that took the life of a close friend. Matt Wright's spokesperson said that Mr Wright's immediate concern following the accident was the condition of the two team members on board at the time being Chris Wilson and pilot Sebastian Robinson. He said his next priority was ensuring that the other helicopters involved in the egg collection operation and team members at the site weren't at risk and that the location was safe and he'll vigorously be defending the charges and no further comment will be made at this time. And what happens next and maybe more importantly, what happens if Matt Wright doesn't comply with the terms of that warrant and arrive in Darwin by 9am tomorrow? If he doesn't comply with that arrest warrant, Northern Territory Police will be seeking his extradition from Queensland. We understand he hasn't been back to the Northern Territory since Neil Mellon or Mick Burbage's arrest. So he could be extradited, but we understand that he will be on a flight today from Sydney to Darwin. Once he arrives in Darwin, detectives will be waiting to lay those charges and they'll also, as is normal procedure, offer him an interview. They would obviously be keen to speak to him and get his version of events. However, he may decline as his his legal right. Regardless, he those charges will be laid and we do expect him to appear in Darwin local court any day this week, most likely tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Kristen Shorten is an investigative journalist with The Australian. Coming up, Anthony Albanese's honeymoon period continues as energy reforms are added to the parliamentary agenda. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. 
What's shaping up to be the biggest week of Anthony Albanese's political life kicked off yesterday with a Victorian election win and hard-won industrial relations reforms. Good afternoon. I would like to start by congratulating my friend Daniel Andrews on an extraordinary result in Victoria. Uh, on industrial relations, uh, today is a huge day for working people and the decision by the crossbenchers to back uh, Labor's bill, uh, which will guarantee more secure work and better pay, is the right one. Now the PM is staring down the barrel of negotiations on a national anti-corruption commission and hotly debated energy reforms that would stymie skyrocketing power prices. Greg Brown is the Australian's national correspondent and he joins me now. Greg, let's talk about those energy reforms. What is the government proposing and why are they doing it now? Well, the budget was dominated by predictions of an increase in electricity prices of 56% over the next two years and uh, gas price increases of 40% over that same period. So the government has really been forced to resolve this issue and to come up with some sort of a policy response to, to give consumers some relief. So what the government has said they would do is announce an intervention in the electricity sector by Christmas. They've looked at a super profits tax and then diverting the profits into subsidies for electricity bills. They've looked at whether they can cap prices on domestic gas and coal. They've looked at updating the code of conduct. And what's happened over the weekend and late last week was that the main ministers in charge of these portfolios, which is the Resources Minister, Madeline King, the Energy Minister, Chris Bowen, the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, and the Industry Minister, Ed Husick, they have come to an agreement on how this is going to shape up. The proposal was put to a Cabinet meeting yesterday. What happened there? Now, that was put to Cabinet on Monday morning, and it looks like Anthony Albanese will make a move on that this week. What I do know is the people that were pushing for more intervention, which was Husick, Bowen and Chalmers, they are pretty happy with the result. So that could tell you that while they're not going to do a super profits tax, it could be quite a big intervention. Greg, what's been the response from the energy industry? The gas industry, without a firm concrete position on the table, they are waiting to see exactly how bad it will be for them before coming out too strongly. When it was reported by the Australian that there was a consideration of a super profits tax, the mining industry did come out against that very strongly. But as far as price caps and things of that nature goes, the industry will be very opposed to it, but I think they're waiting for the final detail. What's been really interesting in this debate has been just how divided the government has been on it, including at a cabinet level. So you've had Jim Chalmers teaming up with Ed Husick and Chris Bowen, they've really been pushing for a pretty hardline intervention versus Madeline King and Don Farrell, the Resources Minister and the Trade Minister, who are really worried about the party standing in resources communities and also about our trade relationships with South Korea, Japan and any impact it could make if the intervention is too heavy-handed. The government has been very divided on it and they've kind of got away with it because they're still in a honeymoon period. But I think in, in another year, if you see that sort of division play out as publicly as it did, it would really hurt them. 
And do these reforms stand a chance of getting up by Christmas, especially given the other big ticket items on the government's agenda at the moment? Well, I would assume that the immediate reforms that the government is going to undertake on the energy sector will be temporary and they will not require legislation. So they will require regulation so they can be implemented nearly immediately. Now, what's critical is Anthony Albanese has a meeting with state and territory leaders next week. And if they can agree to the plan that he puts forward, it can be put in place by Christmas, you would think. There might be something in a longer term that he would pursue with legislation, but they would have to do something immediately that would not need legislation. We said at the top that Anthony Albanese has a lot on his plate this week, right as Parliament is winding down for the year. How's he faring? Does he have the energy to see these important conversations through? Well, I think he has the energy because you'd look back on this as being a great fortnight for him. The sweeping changes to industrial relations, he's managed to get that through a difficult Senate. And not only that, the fact that they've done it this year has meant that they'll be more inoculated from the real negative business campaign when it matters, which is closer to the election. And they're hoping that the sky won't fall in under the reforms and business will be a bit more appeased in six to 12 months and not campaign against them so much. They've succeeded in the National Anti-Corruption Commission. They've got a lot done so far this year. So I think based on what they've been able to navigate in the parliament, Anthony Albanese will be feeling very energised going into next year, but there are a lot of challenges awaiting him, including on energy. Greg Brown is The Australian's national correspondent. You can follow that story as well as all our coverage of Parliament's final sitting days of the year right now at theaustralian.com.au. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.